So I flew into California for Coachella. So I come into LAX. How many Allahu Akbar would it take before people freaked out? go too long tonight. I don't know why you guys yeah. always insist on talking so fucking much. <laughs> Here we are, a cast iron friends, a podcast that is confused to find itself in a position of defending the underlying dignity and respectability of religion, even as the most stridently devout adherents of those religions seem to do the opposite. Imagine for a moment that you have discovered the fundamental moral and physical laws of the universe. Imagine that you really believe that you know the secrets of the mystery of all of creation going back to the very beginning of time itself. And further, you know the destination and future good company of your eternal soul. Questions that have burned at humankind since humankind first found itself with a consciousness suitable to and capable of forming those questions. Questions about life, the universe, everything. And you have a handy guide to answering them all, in a form so pleasantly comprehensible that even the dumbest, and I mean the very dumbest among us, can fully grasp it. This is, by almost any definition, an absolute fucking miracle, the fact that you've come upon this knowledge. Congratulations! Now, what to do with it? One thing you might do with it, I suppose, is allow any underpaid part-time high school football coach proclaim their faith as loudly and publicly as they might choose, taking the answer to life, the universe, and everything, and sticking it in the mouth of a state-sanctioned authority figure, letting him proselytize about these things to your children. And... I guess just hope that nobody shows up with any competing answers to these fundamental questions? Because, of course, you wouldn't want just any idiot who is mistaken about these things, who believed something else about life, the universe, and everything, to start preaching about their beliefs to your impressionable kids with the imprimatur of the full force and authority of the state behind them. That would be bad. That might even be something like grooming. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Good. Lori's good. Tonight is Wednesday, April 27th. Wednesday? 2022. (laughs) Abe, it feels like it's been a very long time to me since we recorded. I feel the same way. But it's only yeah, been it's only, two yeah. extra days more than usual. Yeah, it 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 has felt like a while. I, I went out of state, so to me it feels even longer. Like I just kind of left Atlanta for like four or five days. You had days. a big trip out to California? Yeah. So uh, I, flew, I flew into California for Coachella. Uh, so I come into You're LAX. You're the coolest. perhaps not uh but you know how they say there's like homeless people in california in parts of california like la like that's true like there's like a lot of homeless (laughs) people this is coming from a guy who lives in the heart of downtown atlanta (laughs) no (laughs) 
You know, I, I live in the city of Atlanta, and, you know, every local news, it's always the same stupid thing. Somebody got stabbed, somebody got shot, so people have a distorted sense of what life is like in Atlanta. I always think it's not entirely accurate. Hardly any stabbings. Hardly right? any stabbings. Hard- hardly any arsons, yeah. for example. Yeah. It happens, but it's a numbers game. There are more people in the city. What are you going to do? Anyways, so I thought it was like one of those things about California cities. Oh, it's a distorted thing. You show up there, nothing happens. We're like, let's go grab lunch. We have a few hours to kill in L.A. before we head to Indio, which is where the festival takes place. Like 60 miles by distance, but like four hours by driving through L.A. traffic. It's a total shit show. But we go to like... One of those beach things, like, I don't know, something beach. One of those cities you would know that I can't seem to recall right now. Right. Uh, everywhere we try to park, th- there were, like, tents of, like, homeless people. Just, like, everywhere. It's crazy. Wow. And so that, you know, is not a distorted thing. That's actually a thing. But the rest of the city is great, other than were the traffic. You- when we went to Seattle, I was, I don't know, surprised is one word, I guess. The age of the homeless people being young, that's what yes. threw me. Because yeah. I grew up in D.C. area where the homeless people were like Vietnam veterans. Right, yeah. And like that's what other you would displaced, you know, just sort of fucked over by the system. But yeah. in Seattle, it was just like 20-somethings that didn't well, want jobs. Right. No, I'm not giving you any money. <laughs> You're fine. Go that's get a job to support your drug LA habit. isn't even supposed to be the worst city, right? I think San Francisco is the one that's got the right. The I can't shit, imagine what like it's the like there. The piss all over the place, right? There were people who, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but it would appear to me that they were having medical episodes, I'm and sure that people they were. are just carrying on as if. Nothing is happening. People are just yelling and screaming, and people are just, oh, what a nice day. And Abe, on the as beach. the as the you know empathetic East Coaster <laughs> that you are, did you did you walk up to them and ask them, sir, is no. there is there anything I can do for you? You appear to be having some sort of medical emergency. Can I call someone for you, sir? It is my policy not is to not show up the locals, right? When in Rome, you do as the Romans, right? So if nobody cares, who am I to pretend to care, right? Yeah. You got to let it slide. By the way, it's funny you mentioned caring for others, but on the Coachella front, uh, they have a lot of uh, signage, signs and whatever at the front about how you know, first aid tent is this way, and we have a sufficient number of personnel to deal with you know, any sort of medical event that may come up, you know, this is a festival, people doing drugs, whatever. I witnessed on two separate occasions, seemingly non-responsive people like 10 feet away from me, like on the ground and other more concerned people, not not me, I was just watching the whole time, but more concerned people would uh, tend to these people. They would flag for help. They, in some cases, they would run out of the area to bring somebody. And on both occasions, I just to see what would happen. I stuck around for a while, right? (laughs) Nothing. No one came. Like, thankfully, Mm -hmm. in those cases, one guy just was drunk and passed out, and he was fine. He just kind of came to, and he's like, and he just kind of left, right? And the other guy was some sort of drug reaction to something. They were fine. But, like, if they weren't, they'd be fucked. A terrible system they had. Yeah. 
How many people showed up at Coachella this weekend? I think they say like a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. A lot of people. It seemed like everybody was there. It was ridiculous. There was a lot of people. Was it fun? Did you enjoy the the acts? It was a lot of fun. Uh, none of the headlining acts were any good, but everyone else was really good cool. throughout the day. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. Speaking of homeless people, I was driving around. I had gone to the hardware store. I'd gone to Lowe's. So I'm doing a bunch of stupid yard work. I despise Lowe's, but that's sort of another story. Our credit card statement says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> they should, they should let us keep like a tab open. Weird ways. <laughs> anyway, out to Lowe's, shot across to the grocery store across the street there, just because I happened to be there. Grabbed a couple things. On my way out of the grocery store at the at the light, there's a lady holding a sign that says one of those, please help, whatever you can help, God bless, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's got a stroller, right? So <laughs> it's not uncommon for there to be on any, like I could name half a dozen different sort of streetlights or corners in this town where you see somebody hustling for change or for money or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, ask, asking for help. And that's fine. Like that, uh, you get to a city of a certain size, and that's just what you expect. You know, it's often it's the same people. There's a, there's a dude who's at the same corner every day, seemingly like forty or fifty hours a week. He must be there just all the fucking time. Right. I, I assume he makes decent money, or he wouldn't stay on that corner forever. Oh yeah, I'm sure you can get enough to get like a probably you less know, than meal. ever. People don't have cash like they used to. Yeah, there well, was, uh, on some of these signs, you see people put their cash app handle on there. Yeah, <laughs> on the way back from uh, the airport on Monday night, there was somebody that had either their Venmo account or some sort of online thing. Right. They're like, hey, struggling, but I have access to this online. Thing. Yeah. So anyway, this this lady, you know, and I'm I, I pull up and I'm the only car in the in the red light line, and so you sort of have a choice: you either make eye contact. And acknowledge the existence of yeah. the human being there on the corner. Or you yes. like pretend to busy yourself with something like on your phone <laughs> or you fiddle with the air conditioning. or. But you can't busy in such a way that it would give him the wrong idea that you're fishing for Right, not that you want to be like you're not digging for change or something. Or false yeah. or even worse, like faking the search for the quarter or something like right. that. Right, And that's why when you're fiddling for stuff like changing the whatever – to the naked eye, it would appear that you're fishing for something. Right. You should, yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to remember what my thought process was here because it, I, I pull up to the light and there's this woman. She's young, you know, early 20s probably, and she's got the stroller. And I can't tell if there's a baby in the stroller or not, but the impression that she's giving off is that there's a baby in the stroller. Right. Something on um, the sign suggests something about her baby, something like we need help or something along those lines, you know? Right. And I was, I was immediately like turned off of the idea of handing her any money because I felt like I was being manipulated by the presence of this stroller. Right. Like <laughs> it worked, it worked against the possibility that I was going to hand her any but money. This is the same as your tipping thing where you like, we, this is a, an extension of, the thing we talked about the other day, I don't know, about like whether or not you want the person to see you tip. Oh, that's right. 
This is sort of like that. How is this like that? I'll continue. Keep going. Anyway, so by I'm the not- way, uh, uh, I, it never occurred to me because I, I have come across, and usually it happens at the, the parking lot at like a Publix or a Kroger or whatever, where there's somebody with a child, and. I guess I never got to that next step to, uh, to suggest that they would be doing this to co- for some sort of scheme. I thought, like, they have a child and they don't have any money and no other means. Like, they're not putting a, a show to well, kind of... Well, first of all, if you're a two-person outfit, why aren't you putting on a show? <laughs> but, especially... Because they're probably concerned about the conclusions you reach, which is how dare you. Right. Well, but so, but anyway, I, you can't tell if there's a baby in there or not. The the impression that she's trying to give off is that there is a baby in there. Also, it's like a hot, fucking miserable day, and like this can't like. There's got to be. I mean, no, I don't want to tell her how to mother, but, <laughs> but get your kid out of the fucking sun. And granted, there's a there's a cover over the stroller, so the baby's right. probably fine in there. Right. But anyway, the point is that. I felt like I was being emotionally manipulated by this person by the fact that there was a stroller there. Whether there's a baby in there or not, the stroller is there to communicate something about her additional need, right? Which is that she also needs help because of her child, which I'm sure works for a lot of people. And then as I'm sitting there at the red light. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's not not false. (laughs) Or it might be. Right, she might just have. That is some scam. She might, so you would you wouldn't want her to produce a child? I don't hear anybody crying. Hey, what is this bullshit? There are way shittier things. That, people, whatever. Never mind. Anyway, it's not out of the it's, realm it's, of possibility that there's no baby in there. That there is in fact no baby. Right? Like it's not it's not impossible. And I don't right, want to think if, automatically think the worst of people. But you know. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, and this all comes down to the fact that I know that I've got I've got a couple of 20s and then like $4 in $1 bills in my wallet. Because I know because I had just been in the store looking in my right. wallet. So I know exactly what I have handy. Right. And I'm sitting there and like I realize – and I've, I've like I don't always give money to people just because they're on the corner of the at the at the stoplight or whatever like that. First of all, it's no way to just run out of fucking money eventually. It's, you can't right. just... Not sustainable. Not just anybody who asks, obviously. Uh, but, like, I saw a dude with a Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt on once, and I, so I gave him a few bucks that I had in my pocket. It's like... So, how is that less cynical than the woman with the child? I'm not that bullshit. Oh, a band that I like. Yeah. Here's a couple of a dollars. A shirt he probably found in a dumpster. <laughs> Because this will reel somebody in. My <laughs> and it did. This is neither here nor there, but part of my <laughs> preparation for today. Uh, actually, I'll just do this now. This is a stupid bit idea, but the, oh, sometimes man. the dumber the bit, the better. All right, yeah. Abe, I'm going to. This is a, a new game, new game show okay. here at uh, Cast right. Iron Brains. You have to guess the category. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three or four words, and you have to tell me. Uh, what, what the connection? What is the category? From it's just okay. three words. The three words are run, one, and some. What is the category? In which those three words come from? Say that one more time. Run, one, and some. Some like some S O M E. 
Oh, some. Hmm. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, One syllable words. These are all words that Anthony Kiedis, 59, nearly 60 year old Anthony Kiedis, has rhymed with cum. <laughs> Good job, Anthony Kiedis. Way to songwrite. I'm sure the technology exists. Could you just, you can get like generators, right? So he didn't have to think and fall back to the same. You don't need a generator to go hip a dip a dip, 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 dip. <laughs> anyway, so uh, if you're wearing a Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt on the side of the road asking for money, I'm probably going to give you money. But if you're pushing a stroller and I can't yeah. see that there's a live infant in there, you might not. But anyway, you know, the end of that stupid story is that I'm I'm sitting there knowing that I've got a few bucks in my pocket and knowing that I will be thinking about this woman with her stroller for the rest of the day, probably for the rest of the week, probably for some time to come. And I'm never going to know anything about her because I'm not going to ask her about her life because she didn't sign up to be asked about her life when she stood out there on the side of the road asking for money. She stood out there to ask for money. So I ultimately realized in that moment that I would feel worse about myself if I didn't hand her the three or four dollars in singles that I had in my pocket, <laughs> then I would feel bad about humans if it turns out that she was faking having the baby. Okay. Right? So that, okay. that that's the full moral calculus that went into whether or not I was going to hang on to the four dollars in ones that I had in my pocket. Right. I, I, I don't think, and I don't know much uh, about the homeless life, I don't think uh, when you're in that situation that you have the luxury of some sort of scheme, right? Either there's a child there or this is the only thing that she has to contain her stuff. I don't know. If you don't – do you remember nothing about life in Athens, Georgia? He remembers nothing about life in the actual third world he lived in. The (laughs) greatest schemers I've ever come across in my life have all been homeless people. Just – just the best <laughs> but, bullshitters but, and schemers I've that, ever like the known. The guy in the wheelchair that said he his ride was on his way and it wasn't coming. The guy in the, the guy with no legs. I don't recall this. I don't remember that guy. Oh, he hung out like like by the forty watt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Boring. During the day. I, I've never come around. I've never come across a schemer. Like maybe I'm just that gullible. I don't know. No, I never you know. have. <laughs> you just have been schemed. This, is, this has got nothing to do with homeless people. But speaking of schemes, there was this guy who used to pull this same fucking scheme at every gas station in Athens. And of course, as a pizza delivery boy, I was constantly at gas stations. Right. So what you don't appreciate if you're a fucking shitty schemer is that there are people who are at gas stations even more often than you are, the shitty schemer. And he came up to me one day, and he starts into this whole spiel about how he doesn't have any money, and he's trying to get out to Madison County to uh, see his mother, and uh, his girlfriend is sick, and he just needs 10 bucks so that he can put 10 bucks in the car, and he lost his wallet, and it's this whole, like, constant Very convoluted like, totally right. and it, and it yeah. he never stops talking because you can't even get an, a word in edgewise to stop him and 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 have any conversation with him whatsoever he did the bottom line is he just needs you to slip him some money so he can put some money in his car so he can get out to madison county or something like that right. and the first time that this happened just to shut him up which is part of the deal is i i gave him five bucks i took five right. bucks out of my pocket i said here you go man good luck Let's see what happens with you 
Later that very week, he comes up to me at the same gas station with the same fucking story. And I said to him, man, this happened again? Because on Tuesday, we, I, I gave you, you're the you're same guy, right? And the, the mom and the girlfriend who's sick, Matt. And he turned away, he walked away. Oh, so he was like, okay. And I, so he didn't even try to like, oh, you know. That was not the last time that he tried this story on me. Interesting. Bunch of fucking schemers. I guess I never really interacted with people like them. And no shame whatsoever after I, after I confronted him. He just got back into his car and pulled away. Oh, the car's functional and everything. Oh, yeah. Why not you walk to another gas station? Then? Come on, this guy. Anyway. What else did we get into this last week? Like I said, it felt like it was a very long time. You went to Coachella, took a bunch of party drugs, yes. hung out By with the, the way, youths. Speaking of uh, of which, so for whatever reason, I don't understand how this works, but we initially considered we, we camped there. We roughed it like with the commoners, right? Uh, and so you need camping gear. And I went to REI and we're like, okay, we need this, 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 and this, blah, 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 to rent because we don't need the stuff, right? So you're, you're, this is a four-person trip, correct? Four-person trip. And so we had two car camping spots. And so we're going to get like, two pop-ups, a bunch of sleeping stuff, blah, 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 blah. It turned out buying it outright is about the same or cheaper than renting it. And so we rent. We just bought the stuff, not from REI, from like Walmart and whatever, right? Right. We buy the stuff, and the idea was like, well, we can't take it back with us, so we'll, you know, ask around our neighbors at the thing. Like a lot of those people drove there from different parts of California. They can just put it in their car and take it back with them, right? Right. So the logistics of that didn't work. So it's like our backup plan is we'll just give it to the Salvation Army or some donation. You know, I'm sure there's a homeless. Find some homeless people, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So we settle on the Salvation parking spot and just erect it in the parking spot. That's what everybody else does in California. Actually, that's where we end up landing. But like we go to the Salvation Army. This is like the day we're returning on Monday. So a very tight window. So we're like, we'll go. It opened at 10. We'll get there at 9.50. We'll just park and wait for them and just give it to them. Successful exchange of products. We don't need any tax documents. Fuck off. We're going right. to leave. Two-second transaction. 10 o'clock hits. This fucking guy from the Salvation Army opens a door, and he brings with them. He had this smirk in his – I didn't know initially why, but like he's – Brings out this big sign, and it says, donations taken only at noon. And it, so we're like, okay, it's 10 <laughs> o'clock. Your rule, which I'm sure is very important, says 12 o'clock. We have like $400 worth of stuff, right? Can you just, I mean, I, the storage is right there. Like, you just open the door. It's like just literally right there. We don't want any documents, no transact. Just give you the stuff. And he just had this stupid fucking look. And like, huh? At 12, maybe, right? And it's like, well, we're not going to be here at 12. He's like, nothing I can do. There's cameras here. It's illegal to dump in California. And we're like, we're going to have to dump it somewhere, right? And like, look, we're going to do it across the street and dump it there at that gas station. And he does like a shrug, like, yeah, that's their problem. And we literally go across the street and we start like unloading and leaving it somewhere like, well, maybe somebody, the foot traffic somewhere will pick it up. Right. There's this guy with a pickup truck, like a 
like a lawnmower kind of guy thingy. Right. And he's like, hey, what are y'all doing here? And we're like, hey, we're just giving this stuff away. You want? And he's like, yes. And he took everything and we're like, thank you. Yeah. And we left. And we caught our flights. Everything worked well. But I was just stunned at how like strict these fucking assholes at the Salvation Army were. Right. Just, about, just like, fucking take it. What's your fucking problem? Yeah, this is a totally made up thing, this 12 o'clock thing. You're here. You're here. What would you do at 12 o'clock that you can't do now? Take what are they going to do? They're going to trace you down by the license plate on your <laughs> rental car or something? And He was pointing to all the cameras like, we're not trying to commit a crime. We're just literally just trying to give stuff away. You're making a big deal out of this. Ridiculous. What an asshole. But that guy, whatever his name was, thank you. Fucking greaseball of the week is what that guy is. <laughs> that, much. Uh. Anyway, that was my, the extent of my uh, Coachella complaining. Yeah, we, uh, Lori went, she ran a race outside D.C. Ooh, nice. Ten, another 10-miler. Ten yeah, it's annoying because there's a half marathon 45 minutes from here this weekend that I feel like I could run, but we have baseball. It's and just I, endless fucking baseball. I can't baseball. run fast enough. <laughs> if I yeah. could run faster, I would have time to go do it and oh, be back in time for baseball, yeah. but yeah. I'm slow enough that that won't work. We have as many as five distinct baseball events in any given week right now because Calvin has two practices and a game or two games and a practice every week, and then Katie has a game and a practice every week, and it's just – it's a lot. And I'm the coach of Calvin's team. I don't think we've talked about that yet on the podcast. What's a time commitment look for something like that? You just the, – the practices and the actual games. Practices – are officially 90 minutes each, but basically take up a good two and a half hours of, of your day because you get there a little bit early and then you always end up staying a little bit late to make sure everybody gets to hit and get their reps in and all of that. I and then the that. games are similarly about a two-hour, two- to three-hour time commitment when those come around. That first game, man, the first game we got absolutely slaughtered. Our team... We got killed something like 27 to nothing. We did not score in the There's first no... game. There is a mercy rule, but we ignored the mercy rule. We sort of pretended that because either we could stop playing after three innings or we could continue playing and letting the kids get practice in and I continue see. to play and like not worry about the fact that we're getting so thoroughly dominated. Did you know that they were appreciably better? Like, is there any scouting on oh this team is no i didn't i didn't know what to expect at all and there was very poor communication from the uh from the league office let's say about what we should expect to the point where i i I didn't even know because it's a coach pitch league in the first month or so so i didn't even know like how seriously i'm supposed to be throwing the ball am i supposed to be just lollipopping it up there and letting the kids do their best or is it supposed to be challenging moderately so obviously i'm not supposed to get up there and try to strike the bums out right do you is it a thing where you you're the coaches beforehand talk like eh, what, what are we doing here like an understanding was no there was no, no no understanding was reached at all and of course we were the visiting team so my kids had to hit first and so i get up there just completely unaware of what i'm supposed to be doing is nobody's told me and what I realized after the first inning was over, and we had a few hits. We didn't manage to score any runs. They played very good defense, that sort of thing. But the first inning ended without us scoring. And then the coach for the other team gets out there, and he just very slowly throws the first pitch that sort of slowly arcs in there, and they start whacking the ball. And it's like, oh, 
you I, you were keeping him honest or what was your it's not strategy? That I, was, I, I just wasn't I wasn't throwing it as softly as apparently okay. we were supposed to. I was okay. I was trying you lost to meet one inning. Right. Right. I was well, trying to did. meet the kids at their what I would expect out of them in terms of their skill level rather right. than So your 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 thing is basically try to help them develop individually wherever they are and the other side is just trying to win. Just right, just trying to get balls in the strike zone and let them right. hit the shit out of it basically right. and that's fine. I just I just didn't know. I didn't know what we were doing. And then it, it turns out that's what we were doing. And also what I didn't realize ahead of time was that I was going up against what has proven to be so far and almost certainly is the best team in the league by by many miles. Okay. Like, if you've ever seen an eight-year-old or, say, a girl pick up a baseball and try to throw it uh, – <laughs> Rude. Yes. The, the how dare you? I was, I was pausing in my misogyny to allow someone to object. Some our people, daughter throws better than our son, by the way. Certainly by age, yes. Calvin is now a better ball player than his sister. But if you adjust for age, Katie is a better ball player probably. But anyway, some kids pick up a baseball and a glove and a bat, and they look like they know what the fuck they're doing, right? right. It's just... Not that they're necessarily some sort of inborn natural talent, uh, but it looks like they've done the thing before, largely because in many cases they've been doing it before for many years. They they play ball, so they know what the fuck it is that they're doing. But on any Little League team, there's going to be some kids who need instruction. That's the whole point of Little League, right, is you, you learn how to play the game. On our team, there are like three or four kids who obviously have never really played baseball before. And if they have, they've never successfully played baseball before. <laughs> and so, like, they don't catch the ball. They don't throw the ball particularly well. They certainly don't hit the ball. And whatever, that's fine. The ideal is that in any league, you evenly distribute the worst players among all of the teams and then you evenly distribute the best players among right. all of the teams and then any coaching that happens happens on the uh, on the margins basically right. so that right. it doesn't really matter how like how good you are as a coach like you, you just do what you can with the kids right. who are coachable and unless then, a team is stacked with a bunch of competent players and you have a bunch of right less than or if stuff. you come across a team where none of them uh, are bad at baseball and all right. of them are at least decent at it. And then also it looks like, I don't know, there's like eight of them who are like actually good baseball players. <laughs> like, Oh shit. That's an act. That looks like a baseball team. Whereas right. all of the other teams in the league look like a bunch of idiots. Right. Like, it just, it seems like maybe there was some light favoritism that went into the building of this team as opposed to all of the others. Did you coach up the team? Like, this is as bad as it'll get, so it's all uphill from I here. I did. I said, look, guys, it's not always going to be that bad. It's going to yeah. be fine. We're going to win some games this year. We're going to score some runs this year, is what I said. <laughs> uh, don't don't you worry about that. Uh, and then in, in game two, we came back after that, that brutal shutout and put up the maximum number of runs in the first inning. We went... We, you're only allowed to score five in any given inning. And so we put up five runs in the first inning, and they were – like the, the sense of relief was, was palpable okay. in the dugout. Right. The, By the way, just, is, that, is that rule waived if you're like down 27? 
Uh, yeah, you guys were trying so. to mount a comeback. We didn't, we like, didn't hey. get to test the limits of it, as it turns <laughs> out, because we didn't put any across. Uh, Here comes a rally. These fucking rules are holding us back. But yeah, yeah, we ended up losing that game 17 to 11. But we put up 11 runs. Well, 11. It felt, it felt no pretty kidding. good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mostly it's just a relief that you don't have to look these kids in the face and be like, you know, you're just going to get your shit kicked in every single game from here on out. And it, it just feels bad. I I literally didn't sleep well for the rest of the week after we got our asses kicked in that first game. Like it it affected the way that I was moving in the world, which is ridiculous. He was, he was so bummed. It was so but, sad. When it's overwhelming like that, what is there to feel bad about it? They're just appreciably better. They're just this that much ball. better. But like Bob it, thought it might be because he's like not a good coach. Right? Maybe right, I'm just a terrible <laughs> baseball coach. What? How could you coach up kids at that level? I mean, that's the thing. So we, I put together a, in the next two practices after that game, we put together a whole bunch of like I found a bunch of drills to do. What's What's funny about this is that. Of course, the kids who benefit them, who would benefit from the most, miss half the fucking practices, right? Right. So the, the ones who are worst at it don't show up to practice, which means they're not going to get the sort of individual attention that you can get when only four or five kids show up to practice. But the four or five kids who show up to practice are the among the best players on the team. Then you're sort of just reinforcing the problem uh, yeah. in the first place. And the, of course, what I'm I'm not trying to like build a winner here. We're trying right. to have the most fun for the most number of kids. So it's not like I put the only four or five good players in the positions that matter the most. I have to like move them around so I feel like I'm not being a jerk. Because the worst thing about sucking when you're an eight year old at baseball and you suck at baseball is that you know that you suck at baseball. But but he also knows that I know. Right. Like, he, like no matter what I say to him yeah, about yeah. like, we'll get him next time, Timmy. And yeah. we'll like, you know, you, you, we'll keep working at it. We're going to get there. Like he knows that I know that he sucks. Like there's right. no, you can't hide that sort of shit. Yeah, they're from old kids. enough to where they would know that much. Uh, or, like, so it sounds like the first game was 27 runs given up then 17. Is there any room to like shore up the defense? So that's what we focused on. We overwhelmingly focused on the defense because the big difference between us and that good team was that they didn't make mistakes, which was like just shocking. When you watch an eight or nine year old baseball team and there's a bunch of hits in the infield in a normal little league game. There are infield hits all day long because it's hard if a player hits a ball to the third baseman for the third baseman to cleanly field it, throw it clear across the fucking field to first base, and then have the first baseman make a clean catch on a good throw is like – it's rare. Baseball's fucking hard. But this team didn't make mistakes on that that count, whereas – with us, it's like if we fielded the ball in the field of play in the infield, uh, I was thrilled because right. that was unusual. But to then the idea that they're then going to throw across the infield and, and successfully complete the play after only we'd only had five or six practices, you know, and there's right. only there's only so many drills that you can do. But anyway, that is what we focused on. And we, we improved mightily to the extent that that that's possible. And the, the big difference between game one and game two, I know that the 17 run sounds pretty bad, but the, the big difference was much more sound, much more sound fundamentals on defense. 
Right. I mean, you shaved a lot of runs. Yeah. And that seems to be the strategy. Bring him down to your level. You can't keep up at that pace. No. You'd be coach of the year by the end of this thing, Bob, or manager. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is just like, I don't know how, and th- when I do something like this, when I coach a team or I involve myself in some way in the, in the outer world, I have no idea how people fucking do their lives. Like Lori is obviously very busy. She works full time. I do none of that. I don't have a job. I, I stay home. I take care of the kids. I try to putz around the house and like, you know, do stupid yard work projects that ultimately don't ever go anywhere. And I don't know how people find the time to do both the coaching thing that I'm doing, which is only three days a week. But it, like it involves so much of my energy when it's happening. Like, how do people live? And they also like they drink all the time, and they yeah. like, they have lives and social <laughs> lives, and they work forty or fifty hours a week, and they have to pay their fucking bills still. Like, I have no idea how people right. do it. I'm just I not equipped. I don't think yeah. f- for this Maybe modern you, you life. Acclimate to that level. People of... are overachievers. Is the problem? Right. That just sounds like a lot. None of these coaches are overachievers. They're just screaming at eight-year-olds. <laughs> it's very. That's the other thing that I, I I I take some solace in is at least I'm not like yelling at an idiot eight-year-old because a ball went between his legs like some right. of these other coaches are. Are the parents there? I mean, like, are the parents okay with coaches and managers yapping at their kid? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I, I had a I had a couple of asshole coaches when I was a kid. The, my third grade baseball coach in particular was a real fucking piece of work who'd go out there and like grab his kid by the shoulders and shake him because he wasn't throwing strikes. No and, like, kidding. And like scream in his face and stuff. Uh, and the idea wow. of doing that to Calvin, who's exactly that age now, is like, like this guy obviously had some pretty serious problems uh, back then. <laughs> But yeah, I guess parents just sort of deal with it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not yeah. that kind of coach. I'm a I'm a fucking Disney Mickey Mouse. Everything's happy and <laughs> let's just go, guys. Kind of guy out there on the field. That seems to be the uh, sound approach. Yeah. Although trying to get them to listen to you when they when they're they're out there just like taking big handfuls of dirt and just throwing it wantonly into the air <laughs> instead of paying attention during practice. It's like, oh, come on, get a happy cheese, a fucking smile yeah. on your face. Let's play ball, guys. <laughs> fuck you, coach. <laughs> anyway, uh, what the fuck are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, oh, probably so your things. boyfriend, the Twitter, and the thing you talked about in the beginning. Yeah, let's do. Uh, let's do the Supreme Court. By the way, on the Supreme Court story front, did you, either of you, catch the Wednesday edition of the Daily? Because they talked about it. Uh, I did not listen to that. I I saw that it was about this, and then I skipped it. What did they say okay. in there? So before they get to the case, you know, how about him doing his little religion thing at on uh, on the field and blah blah blah. Uh, they did like a backstory on his life. So <laughs> this guy was uh, adopted. His his parents could not conceive their own kid. And so they Are you, adop- are you talking about the uh, the, the coach the Joe coach. Kennedy, the, the yeah. football coach? Okay. Yeah, he becomes like a born again or whatever later. Apparently, according to the, unless I misheard, adopted by parents who could not conceive, 
turns out maybe I don't know what was happening with the conception effort early on, but uh, eventually it took, right? That happens and they, all the time. Yeah. They're able to have a child, which, like Lori says, happens. That wasn't the issue. The issue is that they said, fuck off, adopted kid. We don't need you anymore. Oh, Jesus and they Christ. got rid of them. Like, and that story was just like, yada, yada, yada. Now here's this big Supreme Court case. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that's a thing. Parents to say, well, the, fuck it. We don't need you anymore. This child we've been raising for like, I don't know how many years. So he gets tossed into the foster care system and he kind of goes all over the place and yada, 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 turns to Jesus. And now look at him now. But basically that, they just kind of threw that as an aside. And I was like, wow, that you have to be a real piece of shit to do I that. I guess I understand his turn towards uh, <laughs> structured morality and, and the search for a family. Uh, right. That, that was his whole thing because like, he's like, he, he gravitated towards the military. He wanted to belong to something, you know, wrap his identity around something. And he just kind of was kind of all over the place until he turned to God. That's tough, man. I don't feel any better about hating this guy now, but I still do sort of hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate the guy. I just thought it was a very shitty thing to happen. All right. So Joe Kennedy is an assistant football coach at Bremerton High School in uh, Seattle area, in Seattle suburbs somewhere, starting in 2008. And this is a piece of a piece of this that I saw today in the SCOTUS blog coverage of this case that I didn't previously know. It turns out that he was inspired by a film. Yes. That came out in <laughs> 2006 <laughs> and featured Georgia great coach Mark Richt no, in a, I did in not a know cameo that. role. Wow. The movie from... Uh, Facing the, the Giants. Yes, from the Shorewood Baptist Church people called Facing the Giants, which is one of the all-time great bad Christian movies, and I recommend to anyone. It's the best one. Uh, yeah, it's the best one. It's the best one. It's probably the best it's one. The best what is one. the the other one? Flywheel is pretty good too, though. No, it's the flywheel's a little too DIY. Like we like it because of the DIYness of it, yeah. but. Yeah, fly, the fly, is flywheel looks like it was made by a church. By a church with <laughs> somebody's like leftover 1989 camcorder that they had lying around. Whereas by the facing way, facing the giants looks like it was actually like you know they spent a few hundred grand on it. I'm, I'm uh, listening to the podcast while I'm riding my bike, and they get to the part not the Mark Rick part, but the Christian film thing, and I was like. There are people who have transformative experiences watching those things that we make fun of on occasion. This, it's this remarkable. Movie Fuck that, you, Abe. We features... have formative experiences watching <laughs> these things by making fun of them. Something can have two purposes. Arguably, the most emotional, like the, the big emotional pivot point in the second act of the movie is a guy doing a football drill where he has to crawl across a football field and he realizes after he does it that he's gone 50 yards or he's all the way to the end zone. Like, and that's like as the, the power of his belief. We should stop doing this and, and just go Lord watch it right now. Convinced him <laughs> that he could make it all the way to the end of the field like doing a crab walk thing. Most nights when we sit down and that's it's like, the what emotional do you want to watch? Pin. My real answer is like, can we watch just the director's commentary of 
of facing the Giants again. Like, it's all I ever want to do. Can we just get unbelievably wasted? We didn't even you. We would drink Diet Coke all night. We would just get caffeinated. Maybe I would. I don't know. I was. I was getting. Some way I was getting not. No, I was no we longer just, sober watching. No, those we were movies. high on the Lord and caffeine. We would fill up a one of those big stadium cups of ice, and we would just open cans of Diet Coke and pour them in and share it. Is it's like there, the most romantic we've ever been? Is there a greater than zero percent chance that there there's a couple out there, a Bob and Lori out there? who started watching the movies and had a similar experiences as you, and then they turn and they bought in. Do you think there's a couple out there that were like, no. oh, my God. So you think it's zero. There's not no scenario where that's true. Zero. Anyway. I, think that's, I don't think there's think any way zero. that these movies convince anybody to believe anything than they are. You already had to have been a believer, right? You, right. It if, won't convert if, you. Most people just would never watch it. Just right. – no, I'm, not like I'm certain never, that it's a like, non mm-mm. it's a non-zero number of people who watch it the way that we do, though. Like, there's no way that it's just us who appreciates these movies to <laughs> yeah, the extent that we do. Of course, it's not just us, but like those people should one day, contact us, and we can start a club. One day, this segment, this a story like you guys will be on the 700 Club that shows up on my morning news, <laughs> and I was like, oh, there it is, <laughs> it happened. The idea of the movie is that uh, there's this asshole, angry football coach. Who he just wants to win. Just wants to win, and he decides that he's going to dedicate. It's so good. What are we doing? Let's go watch it right now. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna devote both the wins and the losses, the successes and the failures to the Lord. That no and matter what happens. And his wife is having trouble getting pregnant. That's right. Well, the, wife, so he can't from, get pregnant. From the get go, he was religious. Because I don't have a recollection of oh, watching. Well, he this movie. was Christian, but you know, he did. He did sometimes look at certain things on the computer that maybe he uh, oh, shouldn't. Oh, so it's the same thing as that fireman guy. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, Fireproof oh. is <laughs> possibly the the absolute zenith of the genre, although in a different sort of way. Fuck fireproof. <laughs> Facing the Giants is so good. <laughs> but the time that they, he, you can get Kirk Cameron in his side yard with a baseball bat destroying a computer <laughs> because it might connect to the internet and he might find porn on it. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's movie making, baby. <laughs> anyway, Joseph Kennedy watched Facing the Giants and then realized that he was going to start thanking God after football games, just like Alex Kendrick did in the movie. And he began praying after each football game at the 50 yard line. Eventually, uh, this led to somebody at his school uh, telling him that he ought to stop doing that. That that was after a handful of players joined, right? And like, what the right. Fuck's all so this? it wasn't just him out there on the fifty-yard line. He was being joined by players, and it's not they, they have they have competing arguments about how loud and vociferous and truly public this prayer was, and how much of it was being encouraged by the coaches that they participate. On the one hand, of course, his lawyers say he was just privately kneeling and, and, and praying silently, whereas the folks on the other side are suggesting that it was much more loud and and public than that. And it comes down to the fact that he, he got a talking to and was told to stop doing that, and they tried to accommodate him by saying, look, you can wait until everybody's gone, you can possibly pray somewhere else, but... As a representative of the school and of the team, 
you cannot go out there and pray on the field afterwards with all of the kids. And he immediately goes to the press. So that's sort of almost all you need to know about this guy is that he immediately turned it into a cause celeb for the right wing, for, for Christian right wingers to feel like they're being persecuted by uh, the godless public school system. What is that uh, thing with a cat, like catnip, the thing that they're into? Like for somebody who's like a born-again Christian, like any sort of perceived uh, persecution or some sort of, you know, if any consequence comes upon you because of your belief, they're going to jump at any opportunity to raise awareness about how they went through a hardship. So that was almost guaranteed, right, that he would— Try to make a thing out of it to say, oh, right. look at me. I'm just trying to blah, 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 Jesus. And Ultimately, he refuses. He, he sort of stops for a little bit and then starts doing it again on away games. And then there's this whole big thing where he – there's this big production of it after one of these games where all of the students like rush out of the stands and students and parents from both teams apparently joined him on the field. They knocked over some of the marching band. I'd love to see video of that particular event yeah. personally. And there was this big mass prayer on the field after one of these games. And the decision was made not to rehire him the next year. He was on a year-to-year contract. He didn't even apply for the job in the last year that he didn't get the job. But he was told by the head coach that he probably shouldn't apply for the job. He took that to be getting fired for his religious beliefs, even though he didn't bother applying for the job. But whatever. It's presented as being fired for his religious beliefs. And he he's ended up taking it all the way to the Supreme Court through the through the Ninth District Court of Appeals, and now here we are, some some years later, where the, the court heard earlier this week, on Monday, I believe, and will decide the case before the summer is out, um, uh, one way or the other. So far, not a successful run in the courts. Is that true? Like this is not you know because sometimes when the Supreme Court takes a case. It's not always true, but there's like some inconsistency in the rulings at the lower levels, and they say, well— No, the lower courts have applied the previous Supreme Court standard, which is basically that this guy has no right to his job based on the fact— like the the school acted appropriately here in asking him and asking him to stop praying with the students and further offering him— what is deemed appropriate accommodation for him to pray as he sees fit. Uh, not not prohibiting him from doing so, but just asking that he not do it in such a way that it appears that he's sort of forcing it on students who might not necessarily want it forced upon them. And and yeah, that the so far the courts of appeals have ruled in favor of the school district, but it looks like uh, we're going to see our conservative 6-3 Supreme Court uh, rule differently this summer. With the fact that there is no controversy in the ro- lower courts and you need four to take on a case with the Supreme Court, this is almost 100% going to be either a 5-4 or in a more likely scenario, it's like you say, a 6-3. But they will need to kind of formulate some argument right as to why it's okay because basically the thing is like you know this guy's wearing two hats he's a christian but he's also like the coach right so you can those two things are 
inextricable, but like as in the capacity of coach, like if you're praying, what does that do to the people who don't participate, right? They're going to be, you know, I think they talked about, not I think, I know, they talked about it on the podcast, kind of going through all of this as far as, well, won't that become an issue for some of the players because you have an authority over the players and so you doing something and someone else not participating with you, they're going to feel that they're on the outside looking in for whatever it is they're trying to do with the team. Uh, right. And arguably that very point was voiced most coherently by, of all people, Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Yeah. Kavanaugh raised the, yeah. Who said, let me find it here. All right. So this is Kavanaugh asking the, uh, Kennedy's lawyers. He said, what about the player who thinks if I don't participate in this, I won't start next week? Or the player who thinks if I do participate in this, I will start next week? The response was, uh, there should be a clear message that that's inappropriate. And Kavanaugh pushed back. How will you ferret that out? Because every player is trying to get on the good side of the coach. And every parent is worried about the coach exercising favoritism in terms of the starting lineup, playing time, recommendations for colleges, etc. The attorney for Kennedy said, if any coach or teacher does it, shame on them and they should be punished, which uh, is obviously not enough. Uh, Kavanaugh then says, I guess the problem at the heart of it is you're not going to know. The coach is probably not going to say anything like the reason I'm starting you is that you knelt at the 50 yard line. You're never going to know. And that leads to suspicions by parents. I think I'm just playing out what the other side is saying here. The suspicion by parents that the reason Johnny's starting and you're not is because he was part of the prayer circle. I don't think you can get around that. That's a real thing out there. That's going to be a real thing in situations like this. I don't know how to deal with that, frankly. Yeah, and actually they, they played the audio clip of that on, on the Daily. I was kind of thrown off when he said the – I guess when he said the other side, he means like the other side of the argument, not like the other side of the decision. Like I don't think he was like tipping his hand to say, I'm going to rule no, no, the, the other the, way. The, the yeah. other lawyers yeah. On the, yeah. from the other but side. But just when yeah. I was listening to it, I was like, wait, did he mean – but now that you're reading it back, that's what he meant. Uh, but basically now – because like I said, they're going to rule in favor of this guy, right? But they will need to kind of formulate a very tight – well, they will need very tight parameters. Because for instance, I would say apply the what would happen if it were Muslims, right? Right. So right. like if the coach was a Muslim and he unfurled his prayer rug, right, and got the compass out to see where, where Mecca is and he's like, how many Allahu Akbar would it take before people freaked out, right? Like would would that be also okay? I mean, right. I don't think there are not. I don't think there's a lot of Muslim head coaches, you know. Uh, but whatever, if there were, uh, people would have a problem with it. Basically, the people that are for this are just kind of looking at it, it just in this case alone. Like, I'm for Christianity. This guy's a Christian, and I don't know if they talked about this in the in the hearing, but like, this is already a thing with with teams and people praying. Oftentimes, they'll do it. Uh, at the end of practice or in the locker room and in the professional ranks in college football, after the game, both teams will go to the center and and pray. So I think the formulation will be like, this is already a tradition. I think they're going to tie it to the upper ranks to say, nobody would worry about favoritism with the NFL or college football or college sports, where at the end, the Christians or whomever wants to join in prayer, even 
on the opposing team, they go to the to the uh, center of the field and they do the the prayer and they go home. And nobody complains. I think they're going to tie the, the majority opinion to that. The difference is that Lane Kiffin or whatever is not an – well, in this case, Lane Kiffin is an agent of the state. Uh, so bad example. Right. But like – but yeah. NFL head coach is not an agent of the state when he's getting out there at his NFL game and right. offering the opportunity for players to come up and pray with him afterwards if that's what they choose to do. And for what it's worth, any NFL coach who showed any favoritism based on one's willingness or ability to profess one's faith wouldn't last very long in the league either, right? Right. I do think that this will be a better ruling if it's 6 3 than if it's 5 4. And the reason for that is that if Roberts is able to either take this one for himself or give this to someone who he's able to, like Roberts won't join this if it's as bad as it could be, if it would go 5-4 is what I'm trying to say. And I think he'll give it to Kavanaugh to formulate the more narrow kind of yeah but it's just hard to imagine like and it's why like Kavanaugh asked the question the way that he asked it it's hard to figure out and he'll do it he'll come down on the other side but he put his finger right on the heart of it right or at least on the heart of one part of it which is that it gives too much room for the possibility of somebody who in their own mind is going to play favorites and and there's no way to ferret out how that favoritism is going on inside this person's head but it also ignores my primary objection to it, which gets back to what Laurie was saying earlier about why this uh, is particularly interesting to me. And it's because uh, – have we ever talked about this on the show? I don't I know. I don't think so. And if if we did – I mean if we did, it was not – Fast forward. That was wrong because <laughs> now is the exact right time to talk about it right. because when I was in high school, I got into a big brouhaha with oh, the, the local – the fellowship of Christian athletes. And it was like the uh, dominated much of my senior year. What you told me was that you tried to take down the FCA, right? I wasn't, that's what, that's how they presented it. My, my enemies in the high school presented it as me trying to take down the FCA. In reality, I was just trying to stop agents of the state from leading students in prayer in front of everyone else at the school. Because what would happen was they had this thing called Meet Me at the Pole or I remember that. Like we had that, that. Where there's a big flagpole out in front of the school. In the morning. In, like In the morning don't. when everybody's pulling up to the school and kids are getting unloaded off the buses or whatever and uh, getting dropped off by their parents, you would go and meet before the before the first bell of the day you would meet the Fellowship of Christian Athletes around the pole. And it was like once or twice a year. It wasn't like all the time, right. at and, least for us. And they would pray. And what I saw watching that event was teachers participating in and to an important extent leading the, student act, the, the students in prayer. And I didn't think that that was appropriate. And I consulted the Georgia laws about this and it was largely not actually laws it was guidelines passed down by the georgia board of education that said that teachers are agents of the state and should not proselytize in any way and that included participating in and leading student prayer that they're they're certainly allowed to pray themselves if they're sitting at their desk and they want to start their day with a prayer they can bow their heads and do it themselves, but in no way are they supposed to be leading any students in prayer. 
And so I made a big stink about this in the school newspaper and ended up getting like one of the gym teachers, a former football coach, oddly enough, who was then just a gym teacher there. Uh, was he all Christian and whatever? Yeah, yeah. He threatened to beat me up if he ever saw me in the hallway. Uh, no this kidding. Is what, this is wow. What, this is what this asshole said to my newspaper teacher. Like he walked up to her in the hallway and was like, if I ever see that kid in the hallway, he needs to turn around and walk the other way because it's not it, going to go well for him. Either this, is, this was relayed to me by the teacher who told him that. So it's like, that's wait, fucked up. They didn't involve the police for this threat made no, by... They, no, it was the 60s. Everything was different then. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, wow. But anyway... It ends That's... up it, it ended up with me being right and vindicated by bringing it up because the principal ends up at an all staff meeting uh, later that month saying we got to put an end to this praying with the kids stuff it's just it's not okay it's it's against the rules and my whole point and which by the way they took what was I'm sure as an obnoxious 17 year old or whatever I was at the time uh terrible and polemical editorial that we then had to transform into like the most anodyne and watered down version of itself where I wasn't even allowed in the op-ed section of our school newspaper. I did not express an opinion about this. I wrote what was essentially a news article that we then stuck in the op-ed section where I, instead of expressing anything that I believed, which in retrospect was actually a very smart thing for my teachers at the newspaper to have me do, is because I put forth almost none of my own opinion into right. this thing and instead simply outlined what had happened and then what the rules that were via, like I pointed to the rules from the Georgia Department of Education that had been violated. And I, I pointed to the specific pamphlets that are handed out to teachers every year uh, when it comes to this stuff. And it made it, it, like I said, it made something of a stink and turned a bunch of the kids uh, in that school against me, all these goofy Christian types. Other what people who were otherwise super close with you, obviously. Right, obviously. The most it, Christian it, people. It, it ruined a bunch of my longstanding friendships. No, of course not. Uh, it mostly just made an – I was previously anonymous, and then I was made an enemy of by the, the FCA types, which, you know, no great loss. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's why it's particularly interesting to me is because, like, as – Agents of the state, I see no excuse for teachers or coaches to be leading children in prayer in our schools. That should be, as as expressed elsewhere, an all but impregnable wall uh, separation between what they want to believe and what they choose to do in their private lives, and and how they present themselves at school. Like it's just to me, it's just completely unacceptable that you would be leading students in prayer. How do you imagine that they sidestep that issue? Because I don't, I don't think they're, they, they will come up, uh, this will be in June when they make their decision. Uh, I don't think they'll come up with a formula that satisfies the outcome they want with a process that makes sense, right? So how do you think they sidestep the, the issue of, a, the issue here is this person who is, in a coaching capacity has the authority over these kids so can be led by him 
I just don't see how they get around with that. And let's say just say something like they'll simply say that we've screwed this up in the past and that the free exercise clause demands that he's allowed to express himself any way he sees fit and that the students are free to join him in that capacity and that they'll they'll gesture in the direction of and obviously there can be no tolerance for negative consequences for failure to participate there can be no it it won't be acceptable to punish kids who choose not to participate but that goes against like 40 years plus of rulings that suggest that simply the amount of peer pressure that happens when when this sort of thing is happening in a room is unex, it's an unacceptable burden on the children who decide that they don't want to participate right right and and they'll say this would apply even if they weren't christian so if they were like a satanist group or some muslim group or hindu group or whatever and they came up with some cockamamie thing and it's what if it was the principal and not the coach does it matter the level of authority or like i it just seems like it'll just be a messy kind of like will the steamroll through all the concerns for many generations and just say it's okay just to get to the outcome we want almost kind of like remember the 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 gay marriage ruling it was kind of a flimsy argument but they're like we just want a certain outcome and we'll achieve it however we want it seems right. to me like they want this example of, oh, this coach, he loves Jesus so much, he can't help it. He can't win until he takes his head coach hat off. He wants to go in the middle of the field and blah, blah, blah. And religion is not a part-time gig. You're always religious and whatever. Some Right. And using are- your turnaboutism there with imagine it was a Muslim guy. Like, yeah, it would be unfucking thinkable. We'd hear about the madrasa football yeah. coach. We'd, we'd right. hear about how... This is a team of future jihadists that he's trying to turn his football team into and how completely unacceptable that is. And, and, and a lot of people are surprisingly, at least to me, comfortable with that inconsistency. They're like, yeah, one is the right religion and the other one is not. Where it should just be like a principled kind of thing. Like if this is good for this person, then it's good for any religious person and any – like you wouldn't be reacting. I don't think when people – if people did do the example that, that I raised earlier, like unfurl the, the, the prayer rug and they do a, the Allahu Akbars, people are not going to be thinking, wow, look at all that freedom of expression. They're like, right. <laughs> ISIS is in town, <laughs> gather up the pickup trucks, you know, or whatever. To say nothing of the fact that like, and I was sort of hinting at this at the top, is like, to me, it just becomes, it, it's so diminishing of these beliefs and these faiths. Like it, 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 it has the opposite effect for me, which is right. like, I don't understand how if if you truly believe these things, how can you be so glib about them that you want the idiot who they hired for six months worth of work to babysit the kids as an assistant running backs coach at your local high school football team to be the one who's laying this on you? Like, why do we want the state involved in this? At all. And, and and the fact that it's the same fucking people who are freaking out about teachers saying anything about homosexual relationships right. or acknowledging the existence that, that there are people who have a multiplicity of ways of interacting sexually in the world, right? And to even think about things in that direction as, is, is being used as you're just a pedophile grooming children for, for the future. Like right. if, if the concern is such that we don't want these agents of the state over here 
gesturing whatsoever in the direction of the of the possibility of homosexuality why do we want these agents of the state over here getting involved in religion in any fucking way i don't under i well, sincerely do not understand why people think that uh, the school should be involved in this in any any possible way. It doesn't well, make any sense to me. Simply put, they agree with one thing and they disagree with the other thing. So the positions are going to change based on what the people want. Like they're not for any sort of discussion about sexual identity or racial animus or anything. But the Jesus stuff, they're for, at least the people that are for it uh, are. And so... The, People make decisions, I think, that way, kind of like ass backwards. Instead of like, I always like try to find like uh, the process or whatever to, so that you can apply it to any setting. Like you should be able to plug in different sets, uh, things and react to it in similar ways. But if you reach very different conclusions based on what your input is, then you have a bad system. Right. Ultimately, it's also one of these things that like, I don't know how much harm is actually done. Like when we start wringing our hands about all of the harm done to children who witness their coach praying with other students, like, yeah, it feels bad, but like fun. <laughs> I'm not, I, I can't sit here and pretend like I think that these children who decide not to participate or who feel pressured in some way to participate are, are suffering some sort of unimaginable harm. Right. I just don't think it's good. And also, it's already, at least in my estimation, a pervasive thing. You see it everywhere. People always work in prayer into things like, I mean, I'm not a child or whatever, but like at work, if we have a get-together with food, somebody's always doing some sort of praying thing. When I was in high school on the wrestling team, there would always someone work in, oh, let's pray and do whatever. That sort of stuff never bothered me. It's like, all right, I guess people are doing a thing. So you're right. I don't know how disruptive it would be either way. On principle, it'd be disruptive because now you're changing what has been the rule. Uh, but in in real life, I, I don't think much will change. There was a story that came out a couple of weeks ago now, April 14th, that we didn't talk about last week. And it was very similar to a story that actually came out a few years ago, uh, just with more examples now, which is that Senator Dianne Feinstein of California... I believe got her start in politics as the mayor of San Francisco a long, long time ago. She was mayor. I think she was some other, like, town, city, whatever. But, yeah, she was mayor. Has fucking lost her marbles, apparently. And right. not in any way that should be made fun of or celebrated or anything like that. But there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle, and they spoke to anonymous Senate colleagues. So not just her staff, although they also spoke to various staff members of different Democratic senators and Republican senators, people who interact with her and her office on a daily basis, uh, but also her colleagues in the Senate who are apparently so concerned with her mental well-being and her state of mind and her ability to sort of grasp the reality of the world around her these days that they were willing to talk to the press about it, which to me was the most sort of shocking part of the entire thing is that this is a quote from the thing four u.s senators including three democrats as well as three former feinstein staffers and the california democratic member of congress told the chronicle in recent interviews that her memory is rapidly deteriorating they said it appears she can no longer fulfill her job duties without her staff doing much of the work required to represent the nearly 40 million people of california 
this is a huge fucking deal. And, of course, the president of the United States, similarly aged, although certainly not 88, uh, Biden is nearly 80 years old, and Saki came out, his press uh, spokesperson came out and said that President Biden still has confidence in Dianne Feinstein's ability to serve in the wake of a report detailing concerns from some congressional colleagues about her mental fitness. I don't know a solution here. I don't know that you can just fucking pull the plug on people, at least professionally. And obviously she's had a lot to deal with the last few years. She just lost her husband, who'd been suffering a very long illness of some sort or another. But yeah, we need some sort of mechanism here for when people have lost the thread. Right. So, fun fact, uh, Diane Feinstein was born when the Nazis took over in Germany. So, like, she'd been around for a good minute. She's 88, uh, same age as Iowa's Grassley, who's running for another six-year term. He hasn't lost his marbles as yet. I think he's, like, uh, he was fielding questions at some town hall that I saw, like, a couple weeks ago. But it's remarkable. Okay. Uh, he hasn't lost his marbles. He's not as with it as no, he was he, yeah. 30 he years lost ago. lost a fastball. Though, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, he's a senator. You don't need your fastball. You can change it up a little bit. But you are right that there – I mean, currently there's no mechanism to remove somebody for being too old or whatever. Well, there no, is. She could be removed by her Senate colleagues. It's just right, not going to fucking happen. Right. But they don't like because you're old as fuck, right? I mean, right. they just remove her for whatever reason. And, you know, people, or so they claim, people are going to be living longer and longer, right? People are going to be living into their 100s more frequently in the, in the near future, right? So you wouldn't be able to come up with a hard age cap like you have the age floor of 25 to be a member of the House, 30 in the Senate, 35 to be president. Like, could you have something on the back end like – Whatever the retirement age plus 15 years, let's say, so if it's 65, 80 is your upper ceiling. If we move the Social Security retirement to 67, it goes to 82, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know if that would work. I'm not sure what a workable solution would <laughs> if be. You thought, if you thought they were never going to raise <laughs> the Social Security <laughs> retirement I, age, I take that back. Just, just wait till they tie it to this. <laughs> the retirement age would be like 92 before yeah. the decade is out. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. Strike that. But you would need to have something that is flexible enough. But I think it should just be what we currently have. I mean, we have a pretty low turnout with voters, but like voting people out is one remedy, but it that's no to be- remedy in California or in Iowa. I mean, that's the problem is that we have in these general, but there should be stiff competition against an old bag of bones in the primaries, whether it's the Republican. If it's Except a- now you're now you're going up against the party apparatus and people are people who want to be Democrats are not interested in going up against. And if you want to be a Republican, you don't want to go up against the entire Republican Party apparatus that is still aligned behind these right. powerful senators. So in you, part, don't, you, you don't think uh, that it would be a winning army to say, I believe in everything that Chuck Grassley believes in, actually even more so, I'm even more to the right of him. He's just old as fuck. The only argument that I'm running in this Republican primary in Iowa is I am not old as fuck. I can tell you woman, man, camera. I can do that test easily. Actually, I can't do it. It's funny. (laughs) The the, the little test that Trump did. But like, couldn't that work similarly with Dianne Feinstein? Like, hey, 
I'm gonna we're gonna take the baton from her if she knows that she's holding it, uh, and I'll usher in a new progressive version of back, what she's been pushing. Back back to that test for a second because he was bragging about this at a speech last week actually because of course the the old <laughs> thing keeps coming up because Biden. And I don't want to play too much into like the uh, weird conspiracy theory stuff about Biden, but Biden has also lost the fastball in, oh, yes. <laughs> in important ways. And like he gives a, he gave a speech last week or the week before, and at the end of it, he turns as though he's going to shake somebody's hand who's standing right next to him, and there's nobody there. Okay. And he looks he looks super lost on stage, <laughs> and he turns around like, and he's got the stiff arms, and he's oh, kind of. This- is this the when Obama showed up for the ACA ceremony or a different event? No, a different speech. Okay. But he looked like he was expecting to be able to shake somebody's hand after the speech, and there was nobody there. And he appears to sort of shake hands with the air. Anyway. Right. I mean, and he's then there old, was the Easter, he's got the there old was the man Easter gates. Bunny thing, yeah. too. Did you see the Easter Bunny thing? No, I missed that. So, first of all, Apparently, they don't replace the Easter Bunny costume, which is fine. It's the people's house. It's the people's money. Is that the same thing that Sean Spicer wore? Right. So Spicer apparently was the Easter Bunny once or twice. And and one of my favorite videos is Donald Trump looking out over the White House lawn, standing next to the Easter Bunny during the, the Easter... Uh, white house if you want to call roll. it a white house and he, he says about we don't have the white a name house, for it we don't we don't really have a name it's a very special place <laughs> no way. the white uh, we don't really no, have a best. name for it people that work so hard with melania with everybody to keep this incredible house or building or whatever you want to call it because there really is no name for it it is special and we keep it in tip top shape we call it sometimes tippy top shit. That's how you know it's Easter, is we get to listen to that clip. Oh my house. God. <laughs> this house or building or whatever you want to call it. It has a It's the White House, you fucking moron. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they keep that suit. And apparently, they put like one of the heads of the communications team yeah. in the bunny suit. And so Biden like wanders over to the press during the egg, before the egg roll. Oh, and he gets asked a question about Afghanistan or something like that, and he starts going off. And the bunny pops over and like grabs him and turns him the other way, and it's like, "Oh no, Mr. President, we're going this way!" <laughs> like, like I don't know what he, you, you can't hear anything that the bunny is saying, but like it appears that they're very keen on keeping Biden away from the press as much as possible. Right. Because he is continually sticking his foot in it. By yeah, he's stepping and, on whatever message that they're trying to promote, right? With right. And telling the truth about things that he thinks. And it's part of the problem is that he's fucking too old always to to regulate, uh, to stay on true. message. Right, because wasn't there a similar situation where despite all the drum up of like sanctions and whatever before the war started uh, with Ukraine and Russia, uh, and he was like, eventually they're going to do what they're going to do. Basically we, you know, the, the sanctions aren't going to stop right. them. from. He says sanctions it. weren't meant to prevent anything. It's right. like, well, what, what the fuck were we doing then? What are you talking about? Are right. they meant to provoke world war three then? Like, what are you getting at Joe? What's what, what are you saying here? But anyway, I think that there's something to that, and it fucking scares the shit out of me 
that the most likely scenario right now is Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in oh, 2024. Boy, Tucker, I, I mean, I think Biden would be. I mean, Biden would be Trump again. That's not. That doesn't bring me any relief, right? At, right. Given what we're seeing with this administration, the staggering incompetence of the administration, right. the willingness to just blame it all on the media and on messaging, and the fact that Kamala Harris is clearly not ready for the next job because she's nowhere to be fucking seen. But I and anytime say- she does pop up, right. she sounds like a complete fucking idiot. She's living the 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 Veep world. Right. Uh, the things that she says when she gets in front of these these different when she finally does give a speech is is sort of terrifying on its own. I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations. And it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all. And it connects us all. The, the one odd thing about uh, the vice president is that she's more in line with your standard vice president. Like, is it because... Joe Biden is old as fuck that people were expecting her to have a more like have more presence in the White House because like what she's doing you know she disappeared for a while I mean that was basically Mike Pence that's what I mean Cheney wasn't like that but all other vice presidents were kind of like that what she's been doing but it seems like she's getting a lot more flack for it is it because hey you need to step up because this is guy's gonna be it's in his because 80s. it's so. It's because it's so obvious to everyone that Joe Biden isn't fully the president right. in the way the, that well, previous the, presidents have been. I don't mean that they've stripped him of his authority, right. but like, are we sure that if like the call goes into the White House at three in the morning, that they're waking up Joe, or are they, or, they, or is is Ron Klain making those decisions? Well, they would have to wake up. The I know pres- that they'll wake him up, right? Obviously, I mean, but are they? Are they putting it on the table in front of him, or is Ron Klain? I understand that you can't overexpose Biden or have him do a lot of things that, like, an Obama or Bush 43 could do because they were of a physical fitness that they can kind of endure these grueling kind of things, right? So he can't do that, but he can just sit in a chair and people give him information and he makes a choice. Like, he hasn't lost that. He can do that with relative ease like he's healthy in that regard you just can't have yeah, I guess. a billion questions jumping at him because he'll just like oh people can do whatever they want personal decision on the masks you know like kind of stepping on whatever message they were trying to formulate after the court ruling like on that yeah i agree the criticism is valid but i don't think he's like some like uh weekend and bernie's kind of thing where he doesn't know where he is and what's happening i don't think it's i don't think it's that bad oh, but i mean that if, guy was dead by the way uh but if, right, if, the, if the president spoiler if the president is so constantly in opposition to the messaging that his white house wants to deliver then in in, in some important way the tail is wagging the dog there and not the other way around right because they're what they're saying is that there is there is a joe biden presidency here 
and it has nothing to do with what Joe Biden actually says and does over here. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. But I I think it seems like there's a messaging. Basically, you want to be able to communicate with one voice as an administration and Biden, his off the cuff kind of, and Joe Biden keeps stepping on that right, voice. Right, but that's fine. That's supposed to be the one voice is the president's voice. So I don't understand how you can say it's anything but no, the but, tail but wagging you, the dog. So, you know, sometimes it's like you know the outcome is going to be what it's going to be. You still try to like. I mean, I guess you could say, oh, this build back better thing is dead. But like, if the current message is to continue to push it and go on the Sunday talk show. You still got to go through the motion. And so, like, that's not inconsistent, I don't think. I think a lot of the stuff is, like, he knows the outcome, but you still have to kind of make the case, and the administration is trying to make the case, and he's stepping on that message. But the outcome, he hasn't been really that wrong about those things. Like, a lot of stuff kind of no. falls where they will. No. It's not It's not that I think that he's completely losing it, and I don't think I, – I think – I like the idea that the old man gets – it in front of the camera and almost can't help but to tell the truth about what he's thinking. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it is sort of worrisome. I I think at this point, I mean, it's like the middle of 22, the presidential election is going to, the campaign is going to start months after the 22 midterms end. Right. So in early 2023, people are going to start declaring and doing this and that. There isn't really a way for, for Harris to do anything as far as becoming president in 2024 because she would need to get in the game so late that she'd be out of position, right? Like, because Biden's not going to say in 2023, the entire calendar year, that he's not going to run, right? So any sort of decision would come early, like right into the primary season window, like very early 2024, a determination will be made one way or the other. I think... If Trump doesn't run, he won't run. If Trump runs, he will run. That kind of thing. Because the alternative would be if he ran no matter what, he's not going to be able to serve out until January 2029. Well, first of all, he's going to tease it as long as he possibly can, right? right? He's so not the, going to announce his intention until right. relatively late in the game. So with that tease potential, that forecloses 2024 for Kamala Harris. She would have to be looking for... A Biden win victory, that'd be her most ideal scenario, and then she could just assume the office. Some, you know, something's gonna happen, right? Uh, or he were <laughs> to lose, right? Biden were somehow to lose, then she would be the heir apparent in twenty eight. But in any case, twenty twenty four is basically. I, I just don't don't see there's a window for her based on the sequence of events that need to take place, right? So she's out. Basically, you need somebody else like that. They've been talking up that Colorado governor guy, uh, Polis, uh, or somebody else. It would need to be somebody else that would right. take. And I don't the- think I don't think that she is electable at all. I think she's a she would be a terrible right. candidate. I mean, her I don't think- actual presidential campaign it started with a lot of money, didn't it? Like she yeah. there was, she had a lot of funding because a lot of people thought her resume. She was a cop kind of thingy, you know, like a prosecutor, Democrat. She's got, you know, seems like somebody that people will gravitate to. And nope, for whatever reason, no. it just didn't take. People didn't she gravitate has, towards she's her. She's super rude and condescending and not likable and... And inauthentic. 
like right. just completely yeah. she's less just, she's less authentic than Hillary Clinton. Okay. Right? Like she's she's, she's str- aggressive. She's just everything chill. Just right. fucking chill and stop acting like you know everything and like everyone else is an idiot. Right. And be nice. Right. Like she's just awful. So yeah, so I don't think she. I don't like her. There's no viable. So that's why I, I think shouldn't the conclusion then be? I always think like the criticism leveled against her seems to be misplaced because she's the vice president. She has no real chance to do anything in 24. So who cares what a vice president does, right? In that sense, because she's not gonna be unless for whatever reason Biden's like, oh, we got Molly whooped in 22. I'm out of here. Fuck this. Much of the media and. The internet seems to have lost its mind about the fact that Elon Musk is going to or is in the process of buying Twitter, something that I was certain was not going to happen. And it looked uh, like that was going to be the case until it wasn't. Right. And we don't have to talk about this for very long. I, Again, with my sincere not understanding, I sincerely don't understand why people are treating this like it's some sort of fucking – disaster for democracy and freedom and the end of everything that has been good about the internet up until now. I don't I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I am in the same boat. I honest to God, I thought and it's almost disappointing that you agree with me because I thought maybe you would have some insight. I have no idea what all of this is about. This is the same guy that runs Tesla and or he owns Tesla and that thing that sends people to space for a little bit, right? He can't handle the cesspool that's Twitter. Like, that's going to be a big lift for him. Like, I don't get it other than... Apparently, the thing the thing that pissed everybody off this week is that he acknowledged or suggested that banning the New York Post from Twitter because of the Hunter Biden laptop story in October of 2020, he said that was not good. And they had everybody freaked the fuck out about the fact that he said that was not good. When that is like, it's obvious that that was right. not good, right. right? Whether whether the story is, I mean, it, actually, it turns out, uh, and all the Washington Post, the New York Times, every other major news organization has basically verified that the laptop was real, that the contents on it that we saw were authentic and and came from Hunter Biden. And it's obviously a story that was worth discussing at some point. Is it still curious? Is it still fucking weird that he, like, allegedly left a laptop someplace that then weirdly makes its way to Rudy Giuliani through various back channels? Like, yeah, right. that's fucking weird. Wasn't one somebody blind? But yeah. that doesn't change the the underlying facts here, which is that it's a story that's worth discussing and certainly not worth banning a news or uh, one of the 10 most visited news websites every year is the New York Post. It's one of the nation's top 10 newspapers, I believe. Like, what are we doing? Right. Like, what are you talking about? It's good to ban the New York Post and it's good to uh, on Facebook to uh, whatever their fucking euphemistic word is for for failing to allow the wide circulation of a story like that. Right. And that- out of some alleged concern that the Russians are going to steal the election again, which was proven to be entirely fucking bogus in the first place. So right. what are we talking about? And also, like, and this, not to do the both sides thing, but this is another, like, to me, it sounds like, Going from an outcome uh, and working backwards, basically, 
there a lot of people's estimation on on the left would be that the New York Post uh, they were trying to engineer an October surprise and they were going to use the social media platforms like Twitter to perpetuate this misleading or at the time I think they just were saying it's not true at all story just to have an impact on the election right but you shouldn't be in the business of running interference for a political campaign like on either side or for whatever purpose right you should just unless and I think uh Musk said this this may not be a perfect solution but it's more workable than all other uh solutions especially this randomly suspending people thing which doesn't seem to me sustainable to me because what are the standards for suspending? Uh, and the current standard, you'll see hypocritical, like, why is this account still active? That's like ISIS or whatever, but this is not. Like, you know, you get into that kind of trouble. If I think Musk kind of formulated this idea. It's like, as long as whatever exchange is happening comports with the laws of the country where the exchange is happening – we're going to let it slide. But if somebody's like inciting some sort of thing that's against the law, like some sort of violence or assault or whatever, that's already against the law based on the different restrictions. I don't right, know how but you... that gets that gets understood as like being literally fascist. The thing that he said there, like right. But it's... what I'm saying is, if you're honest, like there is no. First of all, you can't stop these bad outcomes from happening. So you can only focus on a process, right? The fairest process you can come up with. And yes, the standard that. Musk formulates, uh, or what it sounds like he's going to go with, is going to let in some irresponsible whatever, but you have to live with that in a society, right? Because right. T- and welcome to the internet, right. for Christ's sake. Right. Like, what are you talking about? Right. It's like you're creating this impossible... This stuff is everywhere. You're right. not going to purge, even if, even if we're talking about the worst case scenario here, you're not going to purge these ideas or these posts... Right. From the internet, you might keep them out of your own personal swimming pool, I guess, if you're a person who, who has a certain bubble on Twitter and you can avoid that sort of thing in this current iteration of, of, of Twitter and you're concerned that somebody's come in and, and take a dump in your punch bowl, I guess. Right. But and like, also, th- things would have to be well beyond Twitter. Like it, has, it would have to take off beyond Twitter for it to have an impact. And the Hunter Biden story just didn't have that sizzle. I mean, the biggest story was the controversy around social media sites like Twitter not allowing it and that sort of thing, right? It was like, because... Right, that's, actual... the, that's the dumbest the dumbest part about it is that it is the most Streisand effect, Streisand right. effect I've ever fucking seen. Right. Which is that if you think that the Hunter Biden story, even if fully covered by the New York Times and the Washington Post and everybody else was going to drive 100,000 people across four different states to vote differently, I think you're out of your fucking mind about what was going on in the 2020 election, right. which is that we had the opportunity to either vote for Donald Trump or vote against Donald Trump. Right. It was and a that was the entirety of right. the fucking election. Right. And, that had, and, and, it, and the, the fact that they tried to ban the New York Post and they kicked a bunch of people off Twitter for sharing that story had a much more profound impact on the way people understood the stupid fucking culture war, which, by the way, is what the entire 2020 election was about, is which side of the culture war are you on? It only entrenched people further on one side or the other. And and I think this whole brouhaha about Musk is 
another front in that stupid fucking war, right? Basically, they're right. like he he does not exist on the correct side. He's right. a, he's an unperson from one side of the political perspective, and and sort of an agent of chaos according to the other side of the political perspective. So he's been adopted as an avatar of the MAGA right, right. by both sides essentially, despite very obviously not really being that. Right. Uh, That's the thing. Yeah, he's not exactly that. I mean, I'm sure he shares some views that are that can go either way but that's not his primary shtick but basically it's like oh he's more aligned with that side so anything any news that favors him is this very serious assault on whatever like it's fucking twitter like relax right what are we talking about I, I, it's just not at all clear to me what it is that they're worried that they're going to lose right. or what it is that would have been gained by keeping things in the status quo. I mean, it's $44 billion. First of all, I think it's a stupid good investment by this asshole. Like he's going to become so much wealthier because he got the the price at, at $54 a share, which is basically a, a price that hasn't moved in the last number of years. And they're not deriving the maximum value from their stock. He's going to take it private, and then in a few years, he's going to go public again, and he's going to make just an ungodly return. You on think this so? I, I, this is, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be wrong on this, but I, I, I don't think he's going to make money on Twitter. Twitter is a shitty product. It's a shitty product, and it's not going anywhere. If right. it were going somewhere, it would be gone by now. I think that it is. But I think it is one of the it's usefulness. I mean, like you kind of go through because. At least the way that I use it, it's not for any discussion. I don't like to interact with people online. Is you follow enough like either news outlets or reporters in different fields, and then they'll share a story on the actual website. So basically, it's just like this place you go to, and then you click through and go to the actual website, right? right. It's bas- it's a news reader, right? Essentially, it's, it's a yeah, it's an interactive. At least that's the way I use it. I use it as a as a news curation device and that's fine and i also use it to fucking hate most of humanity uh incidentally because of the way these things that these people reveal about themselves uh on the website when they're also supposed to be just curating my news for me right Uh, i mean if 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 google news revamped and made it a little more dynamic and accomplished some of the stuff that twitter does I would gladly just switch off and go to that. Like, I just don't, what is their next thing? I mean, they're not like a big, this TikTok thing with the videos and the Instagram with the pictures. They don't do any of those things. Just like a bunch of journalists and reporters and a bunch of obnoxious people just exchanging. It doesn't matter. It's where it's where people are. And as long as it maintains its status as being where these people are. I don't think it's going anywhere, and I think that it's likely going to pay off for him in the in the medium to long run. We'll see. I also think that he's going to let Trump back on Twitter, and that I think that that's good. I think it's fucking totally fine, and I think that if you're freaking out that Trump gets his Twitter account back, uh, I think you're out of your fucking mind because he lost the election – uh, he lost the popular vote twice. He's he reveals himself to be a completely fucking insane lunatic on Twitter, and keeping him off of that only allows people to forget how truly insane he can be on a day to day and hour to hour basis. And I think allowing him to reveal that 
is only a good thing. Right. You don't think that there's a potential where Twitter is just like just the platform where it's just a bunch of toxic nonsense for both sides, hurling stuff, trying to egg each I mean, they're already doing that already. How uh, is that different right. from what it but, is now? But I think that there's this weird insistence by these people who are freaking out about what's going to happen on Twitter is com they're completely blind to what the fuck Twitter right. is now. Right. But that's the thing. Like, it's a curated thing. Like, you choose which accounts you want to follow. I mean, I don't, maybe this is one thing that Elon Musk can do with the official app, which I don't use because the stories aren't coming in chronological order. They change it up. They're like, oh, this is important from a day ago. And I hate that all the social media sites do it. But there are third party apps, at least on my phone, where you can just have it like, just show me in exact order. The tweets. The latest tweets. And then right. I'll go through it. So, Elon, if you need suggestions, I mean, this whole edit thing, thing is, Twitter post is one thing. I don't post, so that doesn't do anything for me. But if you bring back the chronological tweets on your official app, I'd be very happy to use the official app. Just throwing ideas out there. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brands, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. I don't know what we even talked about today. But we talked for a couple <laughs> of hours. Homeless people and religion. Yes. Yeah. Been doing a lot of yard work lately. I, I built a path around our house. It well, looks really good. I wasn't even sure. I started this nice. path. It, it started out as a path to nowhere because I wasn't sure where it was going to end. I got to where I wanted it to go and it was like I could go another fucking 50% in this direction or just this way and i ended up just building a path that starts at the front door basically and ends at the back door which seems that's how paths should that go that was my idea that's what Lori wanted to do that's what i did that's not what i wanted to do you said <laughs> where should it go and i said to the back door yeah it it's, looks nice it hugs the house nice. because any other direction it wouldn't make any sense like it hugs the house around the front down the side and then if it just goes off in another direction, it's stupid. Yeah. You need to move the fence so we can let the dog out the side door. I don't know what else I've been up to. Hey, what did you uh, – did you go to the movies? So I did go to the movies yesterday or today, one of these days. Um, I went to go see The Northman, which is – Oh, yeah? Getting I've heard about this one. It's another one that I wanted to see, it's The Northman. surprisingly good reviews. 89 on the Rotten Tomato thingy. What are you saying? Surprisingly, you saying it wasn't very good? Whew. This is one of the most ridiculous movies I've seen in a while. Like it is like very like aggro. Like this is uh, it's Robert Eggers. Yeah, uh, like these, not ooh. not not our former owner at Papa John's twenty years was ago. Was that the name? That yeah, he was not Dave David Eggers. No, Dave Eggers is the author of a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Well, these Eggers. A lot of Rob Eggers was the owner operator of the Papa John's in Athens back in the aughts. No kidding. And Robert Eggers is the director of such films as The Northman and The Lighthouse and other explorations of male virility and vitality. Oh, and so that okay. I'm not familiar with his other works, I guess, but like holy shit. So it's like these early Viking Dude, they're just killing, raping, and pillaging people and, like, avenging other killings. Like, the whole movie is that. They're just... They're, like, barking and stuff. Like, it's... <laughs> I'm like, what am I watching? It is... 
and this has been a recurring thing in my head. I'm like, is this a bit? Like, I, I see clips of, like, a Tucker Carlson original, and I'm like, is this a joke? I saw this, and I saw, had the same thought. Like, is this a joke? Basically, like these guys, oh, man, strong, punch, hit. Like, <laughs> like you thought it was a sketch yeah, or something? Yeah. And then on the Rotten Tomatoes, oh, what art. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> maybe I lost the fastball on this movie stuff too, or maybe I watched too many yeah. movies, but an absurd fucking movie. No point. There's like, there's, aren't there scars guards in it? I yeah, think yeah. scars guards are in like 80% of our movies these days. Yeah, that's true. One of the scars guards, I think he's the one that was in Big Little Lies. One of them. He got chiseled, like unless it was like CGI. That guy, like, I guess you needed to do that for the role, but like, it is ridiculous. Like they're like howling. Like whenever it comes on to one of the streaming things, I recommend that you watch it. It's like two hours of like just nonsense. I I, I do want to see that one. Did you see anything else? I no, guess you did no. Yeah, I did not see anything else. I am going to tomorrow or one of these days this weekend catch up on the latest season of better call Saul. i caught the tail end of season five but they opened up again the final season right so yeah so better call Saul came back and so did uh the barry show with uh the bill Hader. oh that's right i've seen the first season but i haven't seen the second yet yeah Yeah, we didn't i watched the first we liked it uh, yeah we watched the first few episodes of season one and it was fine but like on the show like a terrible actor like when he's doing yeah. the <laughs> yeah, like, he's supposed to be a bad actor. No, but it's like the important thing is that new show from the New Zealand people started, and we'll watch that this weekend. The New Zealand people. Nice. I said so. No idea what you're HBO? talking. about. The pirate one. The t- I I feel like I'm being racist when something, I try to say his name and I get it in, wrong. In something death or whatever means yeah. death. Something means our death. flag means death. There we That's go. right. Kablam. Okay. Yeah. Kablam. We're watching that this weekend. Wait, the, right. that guy is behind the, that thing? The mo- the mm-hmm. show? Wow. I wanted to watch... I've wanted to watch Better Call Saul for years. I've only ever watched the, the first episode, I think, years ago. And then, instead of catching up, it's like, oh, I'll just wait until they're done. But now they're going to be done, so I'll be able to, we'll be able to watch all, like, six seasons of that. Also, what's coming soon is The Staircase. Oh, yeah, the HBO HBO dramatization. Ooh, when is that? Is that coming in May or something? Like soon. Featuring yeah, featuring killer owls, hopefully. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, it should be called. It was a fucking owl. Perhaps uh, the owl. Ooh, that's so soon, May fifth. <laughs> oh wow, it's like a week. There's too much now. goddamn television. No, there. I'm, I'm we so sick of anything. television. <laughs> I know, and it's been great. I like not watching really? television. We've been playing Dr. Mario. That is better than watching television. All playing right. a 25-year-old game from a system that's three times know, expired. 25. It's 30. 1999 was when Dr. Mario came out. That was not 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, be um, well, I, I'll watch all the good TV in the bedroom, and you can play Dr. Mario. I'll just start watching baseball again. That's what I need all to right. do. <laughs> I haven't watched hardly any baseball yet this season. Don't know what my problem is. I've been listening to audiobooks this week. I've been listening to my podcast as usual. But yeah, not not watching too much. We watched uh the John Wayne Gacy tapes on we Netflix. Did. We uh, did. How was that? That's terrible. There are tapes of 
that's well, a, like after we, like the psychologist interviewing him in from prison. Okay. Same as to Ted Bundy once. We didn't finish the Ted Bundy one because it was more disturbing because he was oh, that attractive and preyed on women. He's so this crazy guy evil, yeah. Was gross and preyed on gay dudes. So like I thought it was children. Fine. Was it just like any Yeah, young young, young teens, mostly teens. Not children. But they were of children, not like, you know, five year olds, but they're like yeah, the, the, main, 14, the main case 13. that they focused on in this is a 15-year-old dude. Yeah. Okay. The problem is it was a lot of, like, gay runaway dudes. Okay. So that's why it was he got away with it for so long. This fucker buried 27 24. corpses in his crawl space. Damn. Ultimately, 31 bodies found on his property, but 27 of them. In the crawl space beneath his the floor of his. How house. was he caught by accidents or something? Like, I mean, it would. It's more astonishing that he hadn't been caught up to that point because he had been on law enforcement's radar a bunch of times, and it was gay dudes. And so yeah, they didn't give it's a sort shit. of like they just didn't particularly they care. They were like, to "All right, buddy. It. Right. All right, fago. Maybe sorry you had a bad date. Right. Just like women are treated all the time. Right. So actually, that's. Uh, some serial killers have taken that approach. There was a, the California guy that just went after like prostitutes and like black and Mexican prostitutes, and people were like, ah, we'll let that slide. Uh, he killed so many of them, and nobody seemed to have noticed. Yeah, uh, same kind of thing. The guy is just so such obviously a narcissistic sociopath, psychopath. Like it's it, he completely fill every stereotype that you have about people who are incapable of imagining that other human beings have interior lives and are just as much a human as you are. Is, like he, is, he just has no conception that other people are people. And it's, it's just screamingly obvious. Is that like the hack to, to, to be a criminal, like a serial killer? Like don't have those hangups, like concern right. well, for the Just you, be completely convinced that right. you are the only person on the planet right. and that everyone else is, is there just. There are lots of people millions of people who aren't murderers that have that. Right. Our daughter might be one of them. <laughs> but it's like there aren't a lot of serial killers that don't have that. Right. But it seems like people are capable. I mean, like, months ago, there were Russian taxi drivers and whatever else, and then they're like, hey, go to Ukraine, and they commit, like, atrocities. It's different. It's, War is different. I know, but, like, a lot of people would like to think that I don't have that gear in me. Like, there's no way I could just be just mowing down civilians, right? But people find themselves in those situations. Like, one of their friends got shot. They're like, fuck all these people. And so it's like, oh, it's kind of scary how capable people are. Like, because the, the Wayne Gacy types, there aren't that many of those people. No. no. Thankfully. Speaking of uh, Ukraine, you see Putin and his uh, foreign minister... Lavrov both threatening nuclear war on the West in the last few days. Like just just tossing that out there, guys. Yeah, they threw that out there, and also the will attack Kiev, which they've already done. If something didn't like, I don't know. It seems like they're kind of just talking in circles about like we're gonna do A, B, and C, and people are like, yeah, all right. I mean, they shut off gas for somebody, didn't they? Also, yeah, they've cut off gas to I think Poland and a couple of other Eastern European countries. I just refreshed my Google News feed and it says six subtle signs you've experienced emotional abuse by a narcissist. <laughs> so it's listening. 
Great. <laughs> Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. Yeah, it's like 10. Yeah. So it was like a small enough. So I was like, you know, I've been consuming this edible stuff over the weekend. Let Don't me take one two? of these. Oh, God, do you have two? What's that? Did you have two of them? No, no, no. I'm a, Okay. I just took one, but I, I took it on a plane and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but like just Good. one. No, no. That's I, nice. <laughs> I would not take more than much, one. Much chiller about the, oh, warm beer? Whatever, <laughs> man. You bring me. That's cool. And there was turbulence, and it was fun. I, was, I thought I would, like, freak out or whatever. I was like, oh, if we die, we die. I'm just going to. It, it could turn on you. you got to be careful. Yeah. 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 Not yet. All right. All right. Good night. Good night. just discovered today that you bums at the buffer put out an episode 10 days ago and i missed it somehow entirely what was that about that was after the not the sexy sweet 16 which you you immediately (laughs) defended at at the top (laughs) apparently there's some negative feedback from some folks in the audience i guess you know the thrust of the argument uh with not any of the points that you raised. You were actually alone in that. Uh, the thrust was like, these women are old. You should be talking about some of the younger women that are out there. This is outrageous. Halle Berry is like 50. That kind of thing. Like There was actually a pretty forceful pushback on the, uh, on the group chat. The fact or, that there weren't a bunch of 20-year-olds in the... <laughs> you know, fucking disgusting. The... Uh, <laughs> I think what I... I also said that to you, though. I think I texted you something like... Uh, the only thing this episode proves is that everyone in this room was really horny from like 1997 to 2005. That was right. <laughs> make make Lori listen to it at some point. <laughs> I would not recommend it. I know what your friends are like. <laughs> I've heard enough to know what they're what they're like. That is explorations of male virility and vitality in relationships.